0: Chapter 4 In the warm light of morning, Gix and Glaceon sat across from each other. Hatred, natural to either man, gasped the air between them. Glaceon had immediately recognized the untouchable who had stabbed him and infected him. Gix had immediately recognized the Halcyte he'd tried to kill. Given a chance, each man would have repeated that long-ago fight, attempting to end it differently. Fortunately, Glaceon and Gix were too ravaged by Thysis to fight. The hatred they shared was slightly less powerful than the disease they shared. Lesions moved across Glaceon's body in slow swarms. He had not improved in the months since Gix's arrival. Gix had improved significantly. That was good. He had been little more than a living skeleton when Yawmoth had found him. The disease united these foes. So too did their hatred of the man who was their healer, capture, and tormentor. Their only hope and their likely doom. Yawmoth worked with unusual energy this morning. He moved efficiently from his work table to the windowed alcove where he conducted his healing sessions. Every morning after breakfast, the two patients were brought from the infirmary and deposited in the alcove. Throughout the day, Yarmouth worked on them, teasing away tissue samples, applying salves, insinuating strips of metal beneath the skin, compelling dross and powders down their throats, recording outcomes and devising new treatments. He worked like an artist in a lofted studio, manic fits of inspiration, Interspersed with long periods of languid brooding. He paced furiously, improvised implements from cutlery, brewed foul concoctions, and all the while spoke to his subjects. Only substance that had any real impact on the disease had been Power Stone contact, and that impact is negative. Yamoth muttered to himself as he sat down a tray of gleaming filters on a small table between his two patients. They regarded him with narrow-eyed suspicion. Gix, strapped uptight in his wheelchair, stared angrily at him. Why these?
1: Why more poison?
0: Because he isn't trying to cure us, croaked Glaceon. He's trying to cure the disease. He cares nothing for our comfort and health, only for our contribution to a cure. Yalmoth blinked mightily at the two men. His thought diverted for a moment. But we're not just test subjects, Glaceon went on. We're famous test subjects. The stricken genius and the man who struck him. The whole city watches Yawmoth. Everyone prays that he succeed. The very council, the body that once expelled him like a rotten hunk of meat, now offers him every aid in his endeavor. They fear they've invited civil war again in their midst. Some even call for Yalmoth's exile, but meanwhile, they pray for him and his efforts. He is the sculptor, and we the hunks of stone he chisels and cuts. A wry smile entered Yarmouth's handsome features, and he bowed his head in acknowledgement. In fact, the sculptor has a few more cuts to make this morning. Both men groaned. Gix hissed an untouchable vulgarity. Yalmoth drew the robe off Gix's narrow shoulders, exposing a cluster of lesions on the man's stomach. He produced a scalpel and began deftly nicking the center of each dark spot. This morning's salves must be absorbed directly into the infections.
1: Ah, that stings!
0: Gix shouted as the first drop struck the oozing wounds. The man struggled against the linen straps that held his arms to the chair. Bastard! Yalmoth placidly continued applying drops. Yes, that would be the alcohol suspension. It speeds absorption. He adds substances to speed absorption, to decrease viscosity, to stabilize composition, to intensify interactions, but never to dull pain, never to make the unpalpable palpable, grouse Glaceon. Yalmoth finished with Gix and turned toward Glaceon. As he set down one scalpel and picked up another, Yalmoth's attention strayed past the windows to the glimmering height of the city. Beyond the dome of the council hall, Something gleamed brilliantly. You'll get your wish today. He drew aside Glaceon's robe and began cutting into the lesions on his shoulder. I have an appointment elsewhere today. You'll both be sleeping through the effects of these salves.
1: Oh, no!
0: Gix protested.
1: Not me! Not today! Every time you put me to sleep, I wake up missing another hunk of skin!
0: Shut up! Glaceon advised, hissing as drops soaked into his back. You can't refuse. He'll just inject the stuff and be none too gentle doing it. You shut up, Gix spat. You're as much a prisoner as I am. At least I act like a prisoner, not a lapdog. You act like a savage, an outcast. That's what I am. A ceremony today I'm required to attend. Yarmouth mused absently as he finished with Glaceon's shoulder. His patients were in a full out verbal brawl now. He seemed to hear none of it. He set aside the filters and drew steaming liquid from a cup into a bladder. Fitting a hollow needle into the end of the bladder, he stuck Gix's hip. And in a few hours before the Souths have run the course, it would be painful were you not asleep, and I'll be back before you awaken. The Untouchables insult slurred away into nonsense. He went silent and slumped forward into his seat. Yalmoth looked at his satisfaction at the stooped figure. He turned, steaming cup in one hand and needle bladder in the other. Do you need an injection, or will you drink it for yourself? Give it to me, Glaceon hissed, extending a hand toward the cup. Haven't you cut me enough already? He grabbed the cup and dashed its steaming content onto its mouth. The taste of the stuff was horrible, and it burned the tongue. Yalmoth watched his patient's throat move. I've got to get ready. He set the empty cup on a nearby table and withdrew to his private chambers. By the time he returned, dressed in finery provided to him by Rebecca. Yalmoth saw Glacyon slumped over, a line of drool from his lower lip to his lap. Nodding in satisfaction, Yalmoth stared down at the sleeping man. They're launching the foundation of the Thran Temple today. I wouldn't want you anywhere near so many power stones. I'll tell your wife you were too sick to attend. When Yalmoth was gone, Glaceon sat upright and stared after him. Too sick to attend, he growled. The steaming sedative soaked into the cushion of his wheelchair too sick. It would be difficult to make his way down those sloping stairs and around the corners of the door, but Glaceon was determined. He would reach the street and call for aid. He couldn't bear to ride on a Powerstone-driven sedan chair, but he would reach the heights somehow. He would see his wife's triumph. He would see the vast plain of stones she had assembled, stones Glaceon had created. I'll be the one beside Rebecca, not that damn young moth. Yalmoth stepped into the sedan chair outside his door. He had grown skilled in the operation of the craft, had become a true Halcyon. In the seven other Thran city-states, sedan chairs were extravagances. In Halcyon, the skies hummed day and night with them. They were symbols of the future, the perfect marriage of Glaceon's technological innovations and Rebek's fanciful designs. Joined, their challenge created devices that literally ascended. Yalmoth slipped his hand beneath the control stone. The sedan chair lifted from the tiled portico. It edged over the rooftop of Yalmoth's apartment building and soared over the infirmary. It lay on the seventh of to eight terraces. A place of illness and disease cannot reside at the highest pinnacle of the city, Rebecca once said. The grandest buildings towered on the eighth terrace above. Yalmoth's sedan chair whirled up the cliff wall toward it. This was the safest way for Yalmoth to travel. The streets were unfriendly to him. Most citizens distrusted or even feared the ex-exile. The househight guard harassed him. The council of elders entertained motions to have him banished anew. As always, Yalmoth could count only on himself. This was little matter. He was the most reliable person he knew. He flew over noble houses done in the old style, massive and multicolored, with ornate minarets, balconies, facades. Beyond loomed the gray great dome of the council hall and the grim hall of judgment. These edifices, and the temples that sided with them were from a later period. In the place of onion domes and round fancy, the state houses and temples had an angular severity, white stone pointing skyward. This district ran to the sheer edge of the basalt extrusion. Some of the farthest buildings even hung over the 1,500-foot drop. For half a century, there had been no room for a new building. Until Rebecca and Glaceon, their Thran temple would not rest on the ground but float above it, its foundations would not lie in shakable bedrock, but in unshakable geometry. No one had ever thought to build on ideals instead of realities. The vision for the temple had been Rebek's. The innovation to make it real? That was Glaceon's. Today, the floating foundations of that temple would be launched. Yalmoth's sedan chair topped the looming wall of the amphitheater, and he glimpsed beyond it to the foundation of the Thran Temple. For lack of room, it had been constructed on its side, a wall in the center of Council Boulevard. It seemed a huge window of stained glass. Tens of thousands of large power stones fitted tightly together. The near face of that towering wall was smooth and seamless. The far side was toothy with jutting crystals. Morning sunlight struck the foundation and broke into myriad rainbows. A huge crowd had gathered. Their uplifted faces were painted in the gleaming light. It seemed the whole city was there. All wore finery worthy of their future temple. The crowd thronged Council Boulevard, and spilled out onto five cross streets. Sedan chairs parked atop any available flat spot. Guards prevented folk from landing on rooftops. The nearest available spot lay crowded blocks distant. No time to land, Yamoth observed. He guided the sedan chair to hover above the tiled roof of an old temple. Someone ascended the vast gray dome of the council hall. A set of broad stone stairs spiraled to the peak of the dome, where a spire gave a view of the whole world. With solemn tread, The figure rose to that high spot and stood, casting a shadow on the foundation wall beyond. It was more than a shadow. Morning light streamed past the figure, bearing its image into the power stones. There, in myriad refraction, the figure took form, no longer garbed in flesh, but now in light. It was the most glorious vision Yawwath had ever seen. Rebecca, he whispered breathlessly. She had not merely ascended, but transcended. She seemed an angel. A god, gleaming there, a colossus of light projected by the foundation. She smiled. The city cheered. The sound was like the breath of a Titan awakening. Yalma's shout was loud as the rest. Rebecca spoke. The power stone sewn into her cloak carried her voice throughout the city. Welcome to Halcyon, she said simply. Another roar erupted. Rebecca waited for it to cease. Her calm eyes and patient lips were keen focus. None of them and all of them at once brought the crowd to a hushed silence. I stand here above the dome of the council hall, the highest point of our city.
1: This is the pinnacle of our past. It is the farthest that we could rise as creatures who walk upon the ground. Today, the pinnacle of our past will become the threshold of our future. The Thran Temple. You all heard these words. Unlike the temples of the past, this building will not block light from us, but bring light to us. It will not merely direct our eyes upward, but will also elevate us. It will not set our minds on gods above us, but will gather our own images and project them onward upon our city. Upon the clouds, upon the very moon and stars, the Thran temple will not be founded on the weighty world, but the bright firmament. Since the start of our great empire, we Thran have sought to rise from contingency and chaos in the perfect heavens. Today we take the first step
0: she gestured down to the base of the foundation. There, a crew of artificers-released chains from massive anchors sunk in the basalt. Slowly with a terrific silence, the wall of crystal began to rise into the air.
1: The foundation knows its place. It longs to hang where the temple will be. Its very structure is attuned to its correct position. Never will it fall from the sky. Never will it cease to shine upon us a
0: vision of our transcendent selves. The wall lifted magnificently upward. The light image of Rebecca shifted and danced away in the brilliant spectacle. The foundation glowed blindly like an ocean waves in sunlight. As it pulled free of the crowd, their finery swam with a spectrum of color. They were cast in the angelic image of Rebecca. The old gray council hall was changed also. Leaves of radiance rioted across stately columns and stated pilasters. Tall windows became gleaming waterfalls. The council hall dome, once gray stone beneath the beaming sky, became a vast and shifting cloud. The whole upper city was transfigured. Yamoth had never imagined such beauty. Among leopards and lizardmen, he had come to believe that humans were no more than a precarious pile of spurting organs and brittle bones. Now he glimpsed something more. Something glorious. He glimpsed the destiny of a nation. The shimmering foundation tilted as it rose, curving toward its final, level orientation. It overtopped the council hall. Power stones drifted above Rebek's head. The jagged underbelly of the foundation bathed in a radiance. As it passed by, Rebecca reached up fondly and ran her hands along the stones. The foundation only just cleared the spot where she was before it halted in air. Level now, the plane of stone sank slowly into position, just beyond and just above the pinnacle where Rebecca stood. She spoke again, and the crowd hushed. Here will be our temple, another
1: ovation rang out. It lies just above and beyond our former reach. It is more than a mere step that separates it from the world below. It is a leap. Anyone who would enter the temple must leave the world behind and leap through the air to reach it. Let me be the first to take
0: that leap. The silence of the crowd deepened. The world held its breath. Yalmoth actually stood in the floating sedan chair. He clung to the curved linear white bars that encased it. Rebecca leaped. The tiny shadow of her figure broke free of the covetous earth. She hung for a moment between the worlds. Her foot came down upon the gleaming temple. The cry that answered that landing was like the blast of a volcano. No sooner had Rebecca landed on the floating space than her image shot through every stone. It gleamed down in a million projections on those who waited below.
1: Welcome, Halcyon.
0: The frozen trunks shifted and broke. Those nearest the council hall flooded up the broad stair Rebecca had added to the eastern facade. In moments, young men and women gained the rooftop. Their eyes were lit with idealistic joy. They ran toward the central dome and the stairway that spiraled around it. Yalmoth saw his moment. He sat again and grasped the control stone of his sedan chair. The craft leaped to the pressure of his hand and vaulted across the upper city. The council hall dome swelled out below him. He reached its peak in a moment before anyone else. Taking his hand from the control stone, he halted the craft in mid-air, climbed out, and dropped onto the dome. Laughing joyously, he scrambled up the pinnacle spire. At its peak, he hurled himself across the emptiness. The world swung vertiginously beneath him. He landed on the shimmering foundation. In the surprised arms of Rebecca. Together they spilled, laughing to the soothed stone floor. Robes tangled in robes, arms and legs intertwined. They struggled to stand. Yarmouth wrapped in Rebecca in a joyous embrace. You've done it, Rebecca. You've done it, his voice echoed through the high city. We've all done it, she exclaimed in response and returned his embrace. Those words almost killed Glaceon the words and the laughter and the glimmering image of Rebecca in that bastard's arms. They almost killed him. The temple foundation made its legions fester. Take me. Back down. Glaceon gasped to the man who had wheeled his chair up the steep streets. I cannot bear the glare of that thing.